Good morning, marketers, and welcome to the If You Market podcast, brought to you by Mountaintop Data and Joto PR. We are the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. I'm Sky Cassidy, and today we'll be talking with Ross Kimbarowski of CrowdSpring about landing page optimization. Ross founded and is the CEO of CrowdSpring, where he wears shorts to work. Uh, he's also founded multiple companies, including CrowdSpring, where more than 220,000 experienced freelancers help agencies, small businesses, entrepreneurs, nonprofits with high-quality custom logo design, web design, graphic design, product design, you get it, company naming services, all that kind of stuff. Sounds like an awesome service for, for our audience, basically anything you don't have in-house, you can go find uh, freelancers on, on CrowdSpring, little mini commercial there, Ross. Thanks for uh, joining us today. Hey, Sky, happy to be here uh, talking with you and your listeners. So landing page optimization, let's clear up right off the bat. Is that something your company provides as a service or what I'm getting is CrowdSpring? I mean, you don't provide anything as a service. You provide a marketplace for everything. We're a marketplace. Some people call it a platform. We have 220,000 freelancers uh, and, and they provide the, the kinds of projects that you talked about. So custom logo design, but that includes custom web design and, and user interface design. And, and so, yes, our designers also design landing pages and ultimately uh, we work hard with them to educate them about good design practices and optimization. It's also something we've done over the last 13 years in our own business and we've done in the other businesses that I've started because ultimately, as you know, uh, really hard to market uh, blindly. You have to continue to run experiments and tests. And one thing that's interesting is even the smallest of businesses understand that when it comes to marketing campaigns, they might try something, it'll fail, they'll try something else. But, but very few business owners and entrepreneurs understand that experimentation is critically important on your website too, uh, because that could be the difference between a successful business and one that just never gets any traction. Right, right. Okay. So today the focus is the landing page optimization. Um, can you... I guess, explain to the audience what we mean by landing pages and what we mean by, we're getting real basic here, but, and what we mean by optimization. Because for sure. example, my first thought on landing page was when you direct somebody to a form, but then I thought, oh wait, and this is where my lack of preparation, everybody who listens knows that, um, starts coming through. Um, wait, it doesn't have to be a form, right? It can be a lot of different things. So, so probably the simplest way to think about landing pages is it's any page on your site where you're going to send people. Uh, it could be your homepage. Although if you're running a marketing campaign, most experienced marketers know you don't want to send a person to your homepage. That's never going to be the ideal page as a landing page for a marketing campaign. So it's now, any page. I, I have seen people will take a, a variation of their homepage as a landing page, maybe. Sure. A landing yeah, homepage you'd make. And that works okay. So, so just, just to define what a landing page is, it's a page on your website. Could be the homepage, but in most cases, it's another page um, that, that you want to send visitors to. And ultimately, conversions um, is when a visitor to a landing page takes a certain action you intended them to take and completes a goal. So when, when designers create a landing page, you know, a website, and each of the landing pages in the website. The goal is to get a person that comes to that page to do something, to take a certain action. And that action is going to be different on every page. It might be one thing on your homepage. It might be something totally different on an internal landing page. And so a conversion rate, and the reason we talk about optimizing this, is the percentage of visitors who complete that action. So let's say you want somebody to sign up for your newsletter. That could be a conversion, uh, a goal. It's something you want them to do. And if 10 visitors complete that goal, that is sign up for your newsletter, you know that 10 visitors did it. If 10 visitors out of 100, now you have a rate. You have 10% right. of your visitors that sign up. And the reason the rate is important is because as traffic decreases or increases, you need to know that. But more importantly, what I talked about earlier, you wanna be testing all the time. And when you test, you need to understand those differences. So if your current conversion rate is 10% and you have people subscribing to a newsletter and you run a test and now the conversion rate on the test is 15%, you've just improved significantly 
the conversion of people who are just browsing into actual um, uh, people that complete the goal you intended. Uh, if it goes down, then obviously it's worse. So, so it's important to know what the rate is and it's important to be able to measure it. So I'm imagining there's kind of two types of optimization here. There's the A-B test optimization. What happens if I adjust this? And then you look at the rates. And then there's just the, hey, Ross said to adjust like not to do this and we were doing it. So we changed that and our rate went up or down. Um, now, A-B testing is probably always preferable, but people also just fix things when they see, oh, there's something here that's, that maybe is known we should do it a certain way. So there are some standards. You know, there, there's some things that people generally say are true about optimizing and, and creating good landing pages. And we'll talk about some of those standards today. But, but the one thing that I'd love for, for people to take away from this is there's no universal truth for every single business. Um, I'll give you one great example. It used to be when, when this whole concept of A-B testing started, and A-B testing is you know, testing one variation against another, and it could be just changing the color of a button on your page from green to red. When all of this started, there were all of these reports of people saying, I changed my button from red to green and I saw a 50% increase in sales. And then two days later, another company said, I changed my button from green to red and I saw a 50% increase in sales. And so you sit there wondering, well, what the heck am I gonna do when, when I've got this, this differing data? And the challenge is that for your business, for your audience, for your product and the way you communicate, you have to run experiments to understand which of those makes sense for you. And, and ultimately, when we talk about conversions, there are two kinds, two big picture kinds of conversions. There's what's called macro conversions, so big conversions, and micro conversions. And macro conversions are big asks. So you have somebody come to your site and you have an e-commerce site, and your goal is to get somebody to buy your product or service. So if you're looking at a sales or marketing funnel, it's basically how far down the funnel is this call to action going to jump them? Exactly. And then if you're a contractor and you provide services, it may be requesting an estimate, a quote, or consultation. So these are big conversions, big asks. And obviously when you're asking for something big, uh, fewer people are going to convert because it's a, it's a big step for them to go from just a casual browser to buying a product or service or scheduling call. And then the second kind is called micro conversions. These are smaller asks. Um, these are things like signing up for an email newsletter, creating an account on your, on your site if you have accounts, um, using chat. So if you have instant chat on your site to talk to the support or sales team or adding a product to a shopping cart. These are smaller goals. And obviously it's easier to get people to take the smaller action, but you still need to ultimately convert. So, so we're focusing today's conversation on what you do on your website, but clearly there's much more. So for these smaller goal, goals, for example, somebody put something in a shopping cart you're going to want to both on your site as well as through nurture campaigns through email get them to actually buy the product if they don't do it. So anyway, two conversions and and there are foundationally about 15 insights that 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 we generally talk about when we um, when we talk to people about making their landing pages um, better and 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 helping them convert better. Are these just like individual tips, kind of or or larger concepts? Well, both. So, so just to distill this into, into actionable steps, and there's a guide that, that I know you'll include in the, sh uh, in the show notes, a conversion rate optimization guide, where we go through these with examples and, 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 and some data to show people why it's important. But So they're both tips, but also sort of foundational things. Um, good landing pages, as I said earlier, there is no universal truth for everything. Excuse me, I need to take a drink. I'll take it opportunity here myself so um all right that drink break was brought to you by uh drink break brought to you by crowdspring there we go so there is no universal truth for losing my voice for a second but it'll come back um no universal truth for uh foundationally what a good landing page needs to have ultimately there are things though that it should always have so for example the first one um, and one of the most important is a clearly articulated call to action. It's the thing that you want people to do. So when I talked earlier about goals, you set a goal, you want people to take an action. 
this is the thing that causes them to take the action. So people call these CTAs uh, for short, call to action. And, and the way they typically are, are manifest is there's a button right. either is somewhere. Is it by now? Is it uh, join the newsletter subscription? All those kind of things. Exactly. And one of the biggest problems that we see on landing pages, and, and this, is, this is something that anybody can do with their own landing pages, their own homepage, their own landing pages. One of the biggest problems we see is there are many calls to action. And so, so part of the challenge is we get um, paralyzed as consumers when we see too many choices. Uh, it's decision paralysis. It's, it's a cognitive bias in our head. So when we see, you know, 10 different t-shirts, we have a hard time choosing often which one we like. If we see two, it's much easier to choose. And it works the same with calls to action. If you have a singular goal on your page, then you're essentially telling the person that's visiting, this is what you'd love for them to do. And oftentimes it's okay to have a main goal and a secondary, smaller goal. But right. if you have so three or you, let's say you want, you have 10 different things you do want to promote. You just need to do it in 10 separate landing pages or campaigns or, or, or whatever, right? So the way you should think about it is, is a funnel. You should think about how a person walks through your site. So imagine inviting them to your home um, and, and you have a way in your home of flow. So you might, if you tour your home, you might show them to the living room first and the kitchen and you might I show live them in the Ikea, family room. So it's, uh, it's uh, Ikea is the home. Yeah. And there's a path through it to Right. <laughs> so so the, the same thing on landing pages, your landing pages should work together to convince a person to take the action you want them to take. And it may be that you have five landing pages that you string together that each have a separate action. So the first page, for example, might just get somebody to go to a second page, which has a deeper explanation about your product or service. That might be the only goal of the first page. It's a micro conversion, a small ask. The second page might also take them to an even deeper page that gets the details of the product and talks about pricing and other things, another micro conversion. So you're doing so the you, boiling the frog technique here. You're just slowly pulling them in. <laughs> a, a little bit of time because you think about it, the more expensive the product or service you sell, the more difficult it is for people to commit on the spot. So if you're selling a $2 or $3 product, people can make that decision pretty quickly. If you're mm. selling a $100 a month service, or you're selling a thousand dollar product, people are not instantaneously going to decide, I'm going to buy it. They're going to want to do some research. They'll want to think a little bit about it. They'll want to see some other things, which we'll talk about. So anyway, calls to action are important. Keep them crisp. Ask yourself, what action do I want a person who comes to this page to take when they come to this page? It shouldn't be to sell. And here's the way I think about it. I always imagine selling online as an equivalent to selling in the store. So when we walk into a store, say a clothing store, you know, I right. always get annoyed when, when a salesman approaches me as soon as I walk in the door and says, you know, can I help you? Imagine if five salespeople came up to you at the same time and asked, can I help you? That's you car, get a car dealership. Yeah. That's <laughs> like a car dealership. So you can get extremely annoyed when that happens. And that's what happens when you have too many calls to action on the same landing page. Right. Okay. So the very first thing, simple, singular call to action. If you want to funnel them through multiple, get them to take that first step to the next one, next one, next one. Right. The, the second thing that's really important is how you use the space above the fold. And, and above the fold literally means what you see on your screen when you load a page. Okay. That was one of um, my big questions was what about scrolling? I see so many landing pages where it's like, I have to scroll to see the content. And I know I had one the other day, I was talking to a, a client and I was looking at their page and I was like, oh, wait a second. Now I see your call to action. Their call to action was below. I had to scroll to see it. And I was telling him, you don't have a call to action on here. Um, so I imagine scrolling is kind of death to the landing page. Well, it used to be that people didn't scroll. So, so the above the fold space was really important because it, it just was rare that people would go down the page. But that changed five, six years ago, maybe even a little bit more as the internet became faster and people were able to build richer pages, more interesting pages and, and had more content to share and just aesthetics of web design became better. Um, 
scrolling became more pronounced. So we're used to scrolling. We scroll through articles and pretty much everything we read. And, and so it's okay to have longer pages. It's something you should test. It's a great A-B test, a shorter version of a landing page versus a longer version of a landing page. But regardless of whether people scroll or not, that space above the fold is still incredibly important because if you think about it, that's the first thing you see. It's like when you pull up to a store, if you look at the store and it looks dark and, and things are falling apart, bad lighting, right. you're not going to walk in. There could be a disco in the back, but you'll never know. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just not appetizing. So, so the website equivalent of that is that space above the fold. If it looks poorly designed, if there are too many calls to action, if the colors are weird, if you can't read what's on it, if you don't know what the company or, or, or site that you just visited does when you land on it initially, you're going to leave. And so that mm. space above the fold is really important to communicate. And, and this is why people will rarely use their homepage as a landing page, because the way landing pages are historically used is in marketing campaigns. So let's say you're running a pay-per-click campaign on Google or another service where you're advertising your products or services and you're sending somebody to a landing page. The specific copy that you use in your paperclip campaign should match what people initially see on the landing page. So there's not a disconnect between the two things. And that's nearly impossible to do on the home page because your home page is sort of the general page that's meant for all visitors. Right. Now, is this where um, the look and feel you're saying where templates really come into play? Because I see sometimes I'll go through, I'll click on things, go to a landing page. And there's just such a big difference between one that looks like you know, somebody like me who's not a designer and didn't really know what they were doing made it from scratch and a template, which is kind of clean and has the right elements in the right places to look professional. It's so easy when you see the clean professional one, you're like, oh, that should be simple to make. And yet when you see people make them from scratch, they're always kind of look like they're homemade. So it depends who makes them from scratch. So first of all, uh, CrowdSpring is all about custom design. And, and there's a simple reason for that because professional custom design is gonna have always a huge advantage over template design. And it's this, templates are generic. So they're created for other people to use and they're, they're made generic. So they're useful by as many people as possible, which means that if you have a retail business and you're using a template for a landing page or for your website, your page is gonna look like hundreds or thousands of other pages. It won't be differentiated in any way. And so we're not big fans of templates, uh, but definitely they're better than trying to hack something yourself if you're not a designer. The most effective landing pages are custom designed for what you need. So if you have a very specific marketing campaign and, and there's a specific thing you're promoting, your landing pages build to reflect the kinds of questions people would be asking, the kinds of information people will need in order to buy your product or service. So, so if you have nothing, templates obviously are the next best thing, but, but we strongly encourage people to, to invest some time and money in a custom design because fundamentally one of the biggest mistakes we see business owners make, and this is small businesses, startups, agencies, is under investing in good design in the beginning. After six months, a year, when they struggle to create some kind of traction and their marketing campaigns are failing, there are many reasons for that. But one good reason is that the design is just not aesthetically pleasing. So people don't trust what you have to say. Right. Interesting. So I hate to turn it into an infomercial, but um, that's what you guys do. I mean, that's what your marketplace provides is these kind of services, people making these custom designs. If somebody says, hey, I need a landing page design, are they going to look for one design that matches most of their landing pages? So basically a template for them almost made by someone, or is it typically kind of custom made for every landing page? Well, so, so let me answer that in, in, in two ways. First of all, from a branding perspective, branding is you know, everything visual. Your brand identity is everything visual about your business. You want consistency. So you want your website to look consistent. You may have a dozen, two dozen, 200 landing pages, 
they're all going to have different content, but there has to be some visual consistency tying them together. It could be the colors that you use. It could be the illustration style that you use. It could be how you use headers and, and how you use titles and subtitles and the fonts and everything else. So we do two kinds of projects in, in the website area. One is website design, so designing entire websites. Uh, and the other is landing pages, just individual pages. And so if you have an existing website, what you're looking for is a landing page that matches the look and feel of your existing website, but focuses on something very specific, a campaign that you intend to run that has the elements needed for that campaign. If you are starting out from scratch, or you feel like your existing website just isn't doing what it needs to do, then you can redesign the site and include some of these additional landing pages in that design. Now, what about landing pages that are um, outside your site? Maybe you're using a marketing automation platform or an agency and they have their own landing page set up for the campaigns they're running. How much does that matter? Does it matter? So it matters, but as a small business owner, you have some choices and some challenges ultimately. Uh, most small businesses don't have the luxury of building dozens of landing pages every year for marketing campaigns. And so you're going to use these third-party products that include some landing pages, and they'll give you some ability to customize colors and maybe add your Logan and do a few things. They're not going to look like your, your homepage. They're not going to look like your website. Um, there'll be some loose similarity. And, and at the end of the day, it's okay because you need to do something to improve these campaigns. And that's why I say, pick your battles. In the more important marketing campaigns, you should think about building dedicated landing pages because there's a huge difference between um, a real landing page uh, that's custom designed for your campaign and something on one of these sites. And I always think about, um, you know, uh, in, in Blazing Saddles, for people that have saw it, the, the, the scene in the desert where they built a, just a facade of a town and you walk through, you see the fronts of the building and there's nothing behind them. Well, right. that's the problem with, with, with these templated landing pages, these third-party sites is, is they do a bit better than nothing, but most of the time they don't communicate your visual brand identity and it's disconnect. So if I come to your site and I see your site and they, I go to one of these landing pages, it's not clear to me that it's the same business. Better than nothing. Right. Better than nothing. Not as good as custom. As long as with those, maybe all you're getting is the call to action achieved. So maybe those, the goal is to pass on to a page on your site from there or, or whatever the goal is, that's all you're getting kind of. It's to sign up for a newsletter. You're going to get that sign up, but no other, um, you know, not, not even getting the consistent branding of it. Um, okay. Now we've gotten through maybe one, I think you said there were 15 insights that you had. We're not going to get through all 15. I'll, I'll ask you to kind of pick and choose the most important or most interesting here. Um, the one we've gotten through, call to action. Again, here, we're talking with Ross uh, Kimborowski. Am I saying your name right, Ross? You are. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Uh, <laughs> Ross Kimborowski of uh, CrowdSpring. And we're talking about landing page optimization. We're going to take a quick break right now and then get to the remaining 14 out of 15 after the break. Um, now we'll, we'll get through as many as we can. And then of course, in the show notes, uh, they, they list all these because I the ones we do talk about, I want to dig into a, a, a little bit more. So uh, we'll be uh, right back after the break with Ross Kimborowski of CrowdSpring. Brandon here from SEO Optimizers. Just want to let everyone know that if you're looking to get more organic, free traffic from Google, we can definitely help you out and optimize your website and make sure that Google recognizes you and gets you that traffic that converts into sales, leads, phone calls, clients, because that is ultimate goal is get you targeted traffic from Google. That way you get your, or your phone ringing and get that business. And if you want to learn more, you can go to seooptimizers.com and we could schedule some time where I'll analyze your website and give you a free SEO consultation and let you know what's working, what's not working and how we could better improve your website. So once again, you go to seooptimizers.com, you can sign up there and schedule some time to chat with me. Welcome back to the If You Market podcast. We've got Ross Kimborowski here of CrowdSpring. See, I said the name so much better, the company, everything after the break. It's amazing. And uh, we're talking about landing pages and landing page optimization. So we covered uh, call to action before the break, Ross. Let's jump into the um, as many of the rest of these as, as we can get to here. 
Sure. We actually covered two. We covered call to action and above the fold, using that above the fold space, uh, the page that you just land on before scrolling. Um, so, so let's talk about, let me cover the next four together because they're, they're related. Um, four concepts that are really important. One is eliminate clutter. The second is limit the navigation options. The third is a clear flow of action. And the fourth is um, easy to read a compelling copy. And let me talk about each and, and explain how are, they're interconnected. Are those all under the umbrella kind of a keep it simple? Well, keep it simple works for most cases, but, but generally, yes. The simpler, the better, because ultimately when you think about eliminating clutter, it's removing everything that just doesn't need to be there. The problem is that most people want a landing page to do lots of different things. And, and a landing page really can't do lots of different things. It should be able to do one thing really, really well. So your pricing page should focus on answering questions about pricing. Your menu, if you're a restaurant, should answer questions about the food that you serve. And, and so if you eliminate clutter, you're removing images, you're removing copy, you're removing buttons, you're removing things that are not actually related to that specific landing page. And, and if you start by asking the question, what do I want a visitor to this particular page to do? Once you've answered that question, look at everything on that page that has nothing to do with that action and get right. rid of it. So it doesn't mean, it isn't like you only want to have the buy now button because you probably need you know, your logo up on the page just to make it look professional. Sure. So it's not just what makes them technically able to do this, but what makes the page function as what it's supposed to be. Um, so again, don't eliminate everything but the buy now button, just pare it down for things that are distracting versus necessary for branding, for continuity, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, a good way to think about it is, you know, designers talk about white space and white space is, is the space on a page could be, a different color is just called white space because most most white pages are, are, are white backgrounds. Uh, but but the white space on your page is space that doesn't have anything. It doesn't have an image. It doesn't have words. It doesn't have buttons. It's just just room to breathe. It's you know if you look outside and you look at the the air in front of you, it's everything that isn't a tree, grass, lake, or you know it's everything that you can see. Just just pure right. air, and, and that's what white space on a page is. So I think on uh, MySpace back in the day they called that black space with blinking uh, fluorescent <laughs> graphics, but we all know how that turned out. So yeah, that was that was the opposite of eliminating clutter on MySpace. So so the, the, the second concept in that group of four is to limit navigation options. This is the navigation you have at the top of your page. And it's always tempting to put lots of things in there so people can reach all of these other pages. But back to what I said earlier, decision paralysis is this, this cognitive bias people have. Too many choices make it really tough for us to make a choice. And so the more things you put in your navigation, the more complicated it is, and the more difficult you're making it for people to actually figure out what's on your site. So pick the things that are most important to you. So if you've got an online service, for example, or a consulting service, you know what are the things that are most important that people care about? Something about you, um, your pricing, how your product or service works, uh, and probably a way to contact you, whether a phone number or, or a link to a consultation form. Most of the other things are lesser importance. It's not so that they're unimportant, but they're lesser important. You might have a link to your logo, typically uh, may link to your homepage, which has all your navigation, but most sites have the simple ability to have um, multiple kind of uh, headers on them. Um, so they, you might for your landing pages have one or more um, different navigation headers that are minimized down, eliminating a lot of maybe the menu options that, that, that you'd have so that on, you can select you know, that limited uh, navigation options. Is that the type of thing you're talking about? Exactly. So, so what you see at the top, and it's generally a good practice to um, have consistent navigation. So landing pages actually for specific campaigns might not have any navigation. Uh, so it's perfectly fine for a landing page for a dedicated campaign just to focus on the action you want a person to take, which is why these custom pages will often work so much better because your goal when you bring somebody to a landing page is ultimately to get them to take that action. Navigations give them the opportunity to do other things, to move to other pages on your site. And if you want them on a landing page 
to take certain actions, you don't want to give people the option to go somewhere else. So, so limit those options if you want to really focus on a highly conversion, uh, converted uh, landing page. And then you need a clear flow of action. In other words, you want people to understand how to process the information you have on your page. That starts with figuring out where are they going to go next. So if this page isn't going to be the page that's going to ultimately create a conversion to get them to buy a product, then it's going to be a page that helps you in that process. It may push them to a deeper page on your website that explains a bit more. But ultimately, even on the page, you want to put the most important stuff first. Uh, so it may be explaining what your company does or what your product or service is. It may be some social proof that says other people love this product. But ultimately, you want people to clearly know how you want them to read the page. If you have a lot of content, a lot of graphics, a lot of copy, everything uses big fonts, everything uses bright colors, people won't have any idea what to look at first. Their eyes are going to be all over the place. So use font size, use font color, use graphic size, and use a lot of white space to differentiate. The most important thing should be bigger letters, bolder colors, um, maybe darker, uh, or use some color on that. Calls to action should have some color so they're clearly visible. And that's what I mean by flow of action. And then finally, and this is something that most people really um, forget, you need good copy. So design is about visual design. It's about making something look aesthetically really beautiful. So the words also, matter also. And the words matter too, <laughs> because, because you can't have a good design on a website, which is part copy, part visual um, without the words. And, and something that a lot of people forget is um, the way that, that words are composed matters. So some people who come to your site, if they're reading your copy and misunderstanding what your product or service is about or, or just not getting what you want them to do, they're going to leave. And so invest as much time in writing copy uh, your headlines, your subheadlines, your small paragraphs, as you do in, in doing other things. But, but it works really nicely with eliminating clutter because what you want to make sure you do isn't write long essays. Right. Short, as a, clean. As a, as a user of landing pages, I've noticed and I've commented on pe to people before, um, you go to the page and they have maybe the big bold header at the top, but then there's a paragraph or two under that of the information they want you to consume. Um, and I think of it just the same way as designing an email. I look at it and just kind of cringe and say, hey, you know, there's also a video there, whatever other thing they wanted action to take. I'm like, can you, can you consolidate your idea down into kind of a, a hook or a catchphrase, put that up there, and then maybe that paragraph goes below some call to action or something. But hopefully I don't have to consume all of that, um, all that text unless I was expecting to, to come to that however I got there to, you know, to get where I, where I want to go, kind of, it was, it, it's just so, so heavy at the, at the top sometimes. Yeah. You don't want, I mean, there are sites that do a good job with, with heavy tech sites and it's okay if it works for them. Again, it's all about experimenting. So if you're not doing that and you feel like it might work for your business, try it, uh, run an AB test and see if that version of a landing page actually does better. Because again, there's no universal truth for this. But for the most part, people don't read everything on a site. They skim. And when they skim, they're looking for visual cues of what to skim. So they'll read big headlines simply because they're bigger. And so they think that information is most important. And, and, and we do that um, uh, just subconsciously. It's not that we think about, I'm going to read the big headlines first. It's just that's what our eyes are drawn to. And so designers who are experienced in this understand this and create a flow to the site based on those factors. And what about and, and, tools for, for viewing the flow? Like you want to see what are people doing? You can get random people because maybe the person creating this is so embedded in it. They don't understand that other people are confused at certain areas or, or where they're, they're actually being directed. Um, I think maybe Hotjar or something like that. Um, sure. For seeing where people are going and what they're doing and where they're moving the mouse and whatnot. So there's some tools like Hotjar and, and there, there are many others. Um, there's some sophisticated tools agencies use, which actually use your camera to see uh, where your eyes are focusing on a page. But, oh, I'm but closing my other... camera now. I'm closing my camera. <laughs> That's spooky. But, 
but most other, uh, well, obviously, hopefully after, after consent, but most other sites are going to use your mouse or your trackpad. And so typically as we read, we tend to scroll and we tend to move our cursor. It is so surprising. These, like the, you move the cursor where yeah. you move your eyes so often. And these sites are building what's called a heat map. Essentially they're showing where people are pointing their cursor and what they're generally reading. And we know that people don't read, you know, left to right every single line on the web. They'll they'll read the stuff in the in the top uh, left. They'll kind of go down a little bit diagonally. They'll go back to the left. So there's stuff that's missing in most people's interaction with a website. And so good designers know this, and they put the most important information, the most important calls to action within those fields of view. And that's really important. And that's why, you know, one of the one of the 15 principles we talk about is has to be visually interesting and consistent. At the end of the day, if, if it doesn't look aesthetically pleasing, and if it looks completely inconsistent, you've got circles, then you've got uh, squares, and you got triangles, you've got 15 different colors and moving images, like MySpace used to look. I was going to um, say, think MySpace and just don't yeah. do that. <laughs> it, it's it's going to be really tough for most people to engage. And so, so, so one of your goals is to create something clean and consistent so that it's easy for people to read the information that you want them to read. The funny thing about MySpace, two things. One, I still have a MySpace earplug container on my keychain. I saw it the other day and was like, oh wow, I wonder how many people have a MySpace thing still on their keychain. But also MySpace didn't design that. That's what happened when they let people design their own pages however they wanted. I think the basic MySpace page started out fairly generic and clean. And then people went in and just spewed garbage everywhere. And that was, I mean, listen, that was the aesthetic to some degree of the time. And uh, I don't think any of the modern social networks are a whole lot better in that respect when, when they're visual elements. They're, they're certainly better, but they're still very cluttered. Um, but at the end of the day, those networks exist to, to sell advertising. And so they're okay with the clutter. When you're a business, you're a marketer, you're a business owner, you're looking to sell something, your goal is entirely different. Uh, you're trying to sell a product or service or get somebody to subscribe to a newsletter, or do something that's important to you. So, so that actually takes us to the, to the next principle, which is ask for one thing. Um, one thing per landing page. It, it, it's, it's rarely effective when you ask somebody to do two or three different things. Because remember, you don't know this person. They don't know you. They don't know anything about your business. Maybe they met you, maybe they met you online, but ultimately there's not a level of trust built in. So asking them to do two or three different things is a big ask. So I feel like we're out, doing, it's like fight club here. You're saying the first rule is call to action, but then the next rule is ask for one. I know there's some other rules in between there, but it's kind of redundant in saying, Hey, call to action. Yes. But also ask for one thing. Um, like it seems like that's so important to keep coming back to that as Re really important. You know, the first rule of, of, of conversions is, is ask for one thing. The second rule is look at rule number one. Yeah. Uh, really important. The, the, the next principle, and this is really critical for you to understand if you're building these landing pages is you want, you want to head off concerns. I mean, we are naturally inclined when we get to a website to ask certain questions internally about that site. You know, do other people like this, these products or services? Um, do these people have experience? So if you're looking for a contractor to, to uh, do a home addition, um, you're wondering what kinds of home additions have they done? What kind of testimonials do they have? And this, by the way, very important. Social proof is critically important today uh, because most of us, when we're shopping for things or we're thinking of hiring service providers, we want to know that other, even if we don't know these other people, we still want to know that these other people like the service or product that, that you offer. And so uh, social proof should be pretty, pretty high up on the list of things you put towards the top of your page. It doesn't have to be the first thing because first thing has to be what is your product or service and why should people care? But pretty close, second, third should be here are other people that love this product or service. Anyway, head off concerns. So, so one good way to ask uh, to do this is to talk to, to a handful of customers or prospective customers and say, here's a landing page. When you get to it, what questions are you asking yourself that I'm not answering? So you need the market Be research basically to say what, what confused you, what uh, grab, go grab somebody off the street and um, drag them in and say, what confuses you? Hotjar kind of helps with that. Cause you can see people going around and 
It Amos could. It it doesn't answer what they're looking for. And 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 yet, if you have a budget, you can hire an agency to help you do this. But you don't need to hire an agency to do this level of work. You can just ask some people if you're on a social network, Twitter or Facebook, and you have some friends say, listen, I'm building a landing page for a campaign. What questions do you have when you see this page that the page isn't answering? Because if you hear the same two or three questions from, from people who are giving you that feedback, that's a great way for you to say, you know what? Maybe it would be good to include that content. It's actually one reason why on projects on CrowdSpring. So, so we did a few things when we, when we created this, this system. First of all, it works completely different from you know, a typical marketplace. So it's not you know, bids and proposals where you pick the lowest one and, and wait for people to do the work. Um, on CrowdSpring, you pick from actual designs. So, so you set your budget and you're picking from several dozen different landing pages for your product. But one thing we did in, in, in all of our design projects is we included free focus groups to give you the ability to survey your prospective customers, uh, your clients, your friends, your colleagues, and say, hey, here are a few landing pages choices I have. Which one do you prefer and why? And that's a great way to do a little bit of market research before you actually launch these campaigns. Because as you know, um, campaigns can be expensive and, and a lot of them fail. But the more prepared we are, the better the tests are generally the better we can assure that a campaign might succeed. Yeah. It might also be a, a great social media content to post several potential pages and ask people to give their feedback because ultimately you're also directing people to the pages and to the campaign. So you're spreading it, but in the context of getting feedback from people and you put it up on LinkedIn, people interested, people, your followers may uh, actually give you some, some, uh, some feedback there pretty quickly and easily. It's very effective. So in our focus groups, we give you a link to do just that. We, we give you a link and you can publicly or privately share it with anyone you want. Um, and that's a great way to get your clients, your customers uh, into that process. You might also find out that posting multiple pages and asking for feedback on LinkedIn gives you a greater conversion rate than when you run your actual campaign. <laughs> well, well, that's the other interesting thing about these kinds of tests. If you have an audience that cares about your products or services, that process of engaging them. We've actually had some phenomenally successful, you know, smart business owners who've, who've created projects. I'll give you an example. You know, somebody wanted to create a t-shirt, a custom t-shirt design for their community. And, and then they invited, you know, 1500 clients to vote on their favorite t-shirt. Well, of course you had people excited about custom t-shirts and you had a huge number of clients that I would love to wear that t-shirt. So the, the, the client that ran this, this focus group and ran the project knew, number one, what their customers preferred. Number two, he knew that a thousand people are going to buy this t-shirt as soon as he releases it. It was, it was a phenomenal way to both get the audience engaged and do some proof of concept marketing to know right. you're going to have an audience. So it's a market research slash uh, beta release um, kind of, of, of what you're, uh, what, whatever it is that you're promoting. It could be. Let me let me talk about a, a couple of other important ones because I know we're 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 running short on time. So so two that go well together is optimizing load speeds and and optimizing for mobile. Uh, mobile is critically important for for two main reasons. First of all, for most sites, a good thirty to close to hundred percent of your visitors are going to be using mobile devices to reach your site. It's just people tend to use their mobile phones a lot. They tend to use tablets a lot, and so where it used to be hundred percent traffic on desktop and laptops, that's no longer true. Which means that you should be looking at your landing pages on a mobile phone to make sure that how you intend to communicate the information on the landing page looks just as good just as clean, just as decluttered on a mobile phone as it does on a website. Now, uh, our, the, our listeners are B2B marketers, so that it's probably skewed a little more. It might even be 50-50, but mobile still very important. You don't want your page. And I've seen ones where you load it on mobile and it doesn't even, like you can't tell what you're looking at. It's so unoptimized. In, in B2B, you know, most businesses will see 30 to 50% of their traffic from, from coming from mobile devices. But there's actually a second reason why this is really important. And that is that, that Google, which is the dominant search engine in the world, uses your mobile site to index. So, so when people talk about search engine optimization and organic search and getting to page one of search, um, landing pages are one way that you may be able to do that. And there are many things that you would need to do to, to make that happen. But Remember that Google is using your mobile site 
to test whether these landing pages are good and fast and accurate and the content on them. So if your mobile site doesn't render, if the page doesn't render on a mobile phone, or if it looks really strange on a mobile phone, Google is not going to give you the benefit of the doubt. You're not going to be able to rank these pages. So whether you're selling B2B, B2C, it doesn't matter. Uh, these are very important concepts. Right. So you may be directing people there for a specific campaign, but you can also get the natural traffic depending on, I mean, if it's just a landing page for signing up for a webinar, maybe it's going to be a little different, but it, that occurs to me. And I know there's a lot of things to get to. Again, it'll be in the show notes. So we're not going to, we're almost wrapping it up here. But um, what about for SEO, instead of having one landing page, you know, with five different options on or whatever, we're, earlier we we're talking about, you chop that up, you have five different campaigns for five different particular paths you want people to take or products or whatever it is, that could also now each of those is optimized to one very specific um, product or one specific event or whatever. Now they're also optimized for SEO to that one specific thing. Well, they can be. So there's a lot more to SEO than just the landing page. Obviously, there there are uh, there's the architecture of the site and your URL structure. There's the content on 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 your page. There are the links that are linking into your page and the links you're linking out and how your page inter interconnected. So the, there are two aspects to search engine optimization SEO. There's technical and there's on page. Right. Far beyond our conversation today, these are complex topics. And if you're running marketing campaigns creating land page, landing pages for that purpose. SEO isn't your primary goal here. You're creating conversion landing pages. But as you said, one benefit of indexing and being able to get some organic traffic is that this is an additional audience that's now coming to the same page for which you're not paying money. You're not running a marketing campaign to get the audience to this page. They're finding it in search results. The way they convert and whether they convert and at what rate is equally important even though they're free, you still wanna convert them in the most optimal way possible. So everything we've been talking about today is still critically important because if you don't do a good job building your landing page, whether you're paying for your marketing campaign or these are free people coming from organic search, it's not gonna do the job that you need it to do. Right, now I think we've got time for maybe just a, a teaser on one more one more tip out of the 15. Again, this, this and many other, um, Many other resources from CrowdSpring will be in the show notes for this episode with the, I think it's uh, the 15 um, insights into landing page optimization, something like that. What, what's the last thing we want to get halfway into just to tease people? Well, let me, let me talk about two concepts together. One is design for your audience and a clear and unique value proposition. So, so design for your audience stresses your audience. Uh, in other words, that's what I said in the beginning. Every, every audience is different. Every company is different. Every landing page is different. And, and the things that some companies say work for them may or may not work for you. So when you think about what information you need to include on your landing pages, take your audience into account. What do the people that buy from you, or what are the people that you need to take some action, um, expect, uh, know, um, and want out, out of the service? And ultimately the value proposition is unique to you. So, so it's rarely price, you know, we're 10% cheaper. It has to be the special sauce that you have that nobody has. And, and you know your audience best, so that special sauce is really directed to them. And ultimately, I'll, I'll, let me leave off the conversation with, with, with one, one piece of advice, never stop testing. I mean, this is something that should be part of everything that you're doing. It's easy, there are plenty of tools available that let you quickly launch these tests, whether you're running on Squarespace or WordPress or have a custom site, test headlines, subheadlines, copy, images, calls to action, because uh, the only way you're going to get better is to conduct these small experiments to decide whether one version of a page is better than another. And one thing I would add to that is, yes, never stop testing, but also don't feel like you have to test everything all the time and then review it all. You, you would do nothing but that as a full-time job and then need an assistant as well. Like, test as much as you can handle. So if you can, if you can handle actively testing the, you know, the header or, you know, one thing and then reviewing the results and then making adjustments. Great. But don't try to test 20 things and then never review the results and never make adjustments because it's too much to get into. 
Absolutely. So, so two important concepts that you said there. Number one is, is test one thing at a time. Um, okay. When you test multiple things on a page, it's called multivariate testing and it's complex. And honestly, I've never been a fan of multivariate testing because there's so many moving, moving um, uh, pieces there that, that I'm never sure the test results are good. And right. most, most sites don't have enough traffic in order to get mathematically relevant results when you do that kind of testing. And then the second thing is, um, and a corollary to, to don't test, you know, multiple things at once is pick the important things that you need to test. You don't need to test every single thing, but, but there are certain things like the above the fold space, the headline that talks about your product and your site, one of the most important things, the call to action, you know, how you phrase it and what that call to action is, is important because it's possible that you're not going to be able to get people to buy something right away, if that's your call to action, maybe you need to test a smaller call to action, take them to a secondary page where they'll be more willing to buy because now you've given them social proof and you've explained your product and you've done the things that answered some of their questions and their hesitations. Yeah, and I love your point of the multivariant testing. Yes, don't. it's not a science experiment if you have 10 variables because you have no idea which variables are affecting things. And then you have the variable of time, which you can't account for. And, and there's so many things, it's really safe to adjust one thing at a, at a time. So you know, what's actually happening there. Fantastic. Again, this will all be in the show notes, the, um, you know, the conversion rate optimization guide, as well as uh, many other guides that they have and information on uh, Ross, again, Ross Kimbrowski of uh, CrowdSpring. So that'll be on the show notes on if you if you want to go straight, of course, crowdspring.com, look in their blog. I think that's where a lot of this information is, right? Uh, both on our blog and we do publish long-form content on our site. So, so uh, the show notes will have links, but crowdspring.com and crowdspring.com slash blog. Uh, lots of authoritative, you know, typically 3,000 to 20,000 word uh, long-form articles on building brand identities, on marketing, on conversion rate optimization and, you know, topics like that. And I love just looking at this uh, conversion rate optimization guide um, right at the top. It says, like, hey, this is a 15 minute read. And I'm like, oh, wait, there's 15. So it's about one minute per thing. Okay. Now, if I scroll down and pick and choose which ones I want to uh, read up on and get the more detailed info here, um, uh, you know, it's going to be one minute per adjustment to my landing pages for my campaigns, whatever it is I'm, I'm doing. So pretty easy to consume there. Again, you can find uh, more on the show notes on Ross Kimborowski, and uh, that's at ifyoumarket.com. Please share us on social media. Tell a friend. Give us as many good reviews on iTunes as they'll let you do. And uh, on behalf of the If You Market team and Ross Kimborowski of CrowdSpring, thank you for listening to the If You Market podcast, where we believe if you market the shit out of it with a great landing page, they will come. Thanks, guys. Should you find yourself in need of targeted lists for your sales and marketing campaigns, have a look at topdatasearch.com. Our platform lets you quickly and easily search and download lists with email, phone, mailing address, everything you need for your sales and marketing campaigns. So if like many of our clients, you're sick of the high cost, poor data quality, and poor service of your current list provider, go to topdatasearch.com and get a free account, no seat fees, no subscription necessary, and you'll only pay for data when you need it. Use the promo code IFYOUMARKET1000 and get an extra 1,000 free download credits. That's topdatasearch.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.